Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the things you've blessed us with and the awesome opportunity to be able to get into your house and be able to study your word. Help us now as we begin our studies on the writings from Paul to the church at Corinth. Help us to understand from it and apply it in the right way. Thank you oh so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series and start with the letter to the Corinthians. Now we know that Paul wrote this. He wrote it while he was actually in Ephesus. Corinthians at this time, or I should say the church of the Corinthians in Corinth was a new church. Hadn't been in about four months or so when he wrote this letter to them. And Corinth was a what they would call a cosmopolitan. It was a pretty modern for the time, and they were very festive, you might say. They liked to party a lot. It was a pretty rambunctious and wild place. There was a lot of business that was going on in the Corinth area because of its location. And a lot of foreigners coming in and out, and a lot of merchandisers and and so forth. So there was a lot of influence of various beliefs and religions and things all compiled into that area. So there's quite a challenge to to build a a group of believers in Corinth anyway. And Paul had sent his letter to them to try to help them along on the early development of the church there. And that's what we see here in Corinthians chapter one. Where it reads, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sothesnes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Note, he addresses this to the church, to the church and to the believers. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that Ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son Jesus Christ our Lord. He starts out with the greeting, and he starts out with compliment, acknowledging the establishment of that group of believers. And then he gets into some teaching as he goes on here. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. What was going on was they were starting to be divided up. Even as early as that was. Early as it was in the whole life of the New Testament church, as well as in this church itself here, a group of believers, being the church, not a building or a specific location, but the group of believers. And there become some divisions. When you have a group coming together, you have a group of individuals, and many times you have multiple 
beliefs, multiple goals, multiple desires, and then they sort of split up in little groups, a little click here, a little click there, and the next thing you know, you got these splits. And that's what was already beginning at the church at Corinth. And he's telling him that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. See, I already started to divide up. Like, okay, I was saved by the teachings of Paul. Therefore, I'm a follower of Paul, or of Cephas, which was Peter. So he's going to follow him. You find this in churches where people start lifting the pastor up and calling him a reverend and praising and following him as their shepherd as if they are the one that they are modeling their lives after rather than Jesus Christ. Never lift up anybody to call them reverend or to revere them in that way. Only Jesus Christ and him only. They were dividing up in that way. Paul and Paulos and and Peter, and some of them had it right. said, I of Christ. They had the right focus. In verse 13, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus besides... I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. This wisdom of words, he speaks of further over in chapter 2, in verse 6, where he says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. That's the wisdom that he's speaking of in verse 17 of chapter 1. The wisdom of the world, the man's wisdom. When they get all puffed up with arrogance and pride, they go to the colleges, the seminaries, and they come out thinking that they are so smart and so filled with the Holy Ghost and so filled with righteousness and so filled with information and knowledge that they just tower above others. They blew it. And then, and then they start to try to guide people and then follow me, I am your shepherd kind of attitude that some have had. And he's warning them about that kind of thing going on. He's, For the preaching of the cross is to them that preach foolishness, but unto us which are served it is the power of God. Now here he's comparing the wisdom of mankind and man's wisdom, the the so-called sciences and the higher levels of learning that you can acquire from the so-called universities of wisdom is foolishness to God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise 
and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? When the so-called scientists, so-called experts, get so puffed up and so filled with information that they have acquired from somebody else that doesn't know what they were talking about, but yet they've acquired that information. They've studied it. They have vast amounts of intelligence, what they consider intelligence. Their intelligence quantity, the IQ test. But the IQ test that really matters is intelligence quality. What is the quality of the information that you have? Is it the the acquiring of centuries of ignorance, of lies, of falsehood, or is it acquiring the true knowledge and wisdom comes from the Lord? He's teaching them the difference here between the so-called man's knowledge and wisdom and the true knowledge and understanding of the Lord. And the knowledge and wisdom of man is foolishness in the comparison to the Lord. Verse 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The simplicity, you might say, of the preaching. So simple, so basic. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, that's the wisdom of the world, and not many mighty, not many noble are called. They think they have everything they need. They've acquired what they think is wisdom and prosperity and don't think they need the Lord. They don't need to make any changes in their life. And they're not called. They don't respond to the call, basically. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. It's amazing how many really, really good people that the Lord called to be ministers, to be preachers. There were, you might say, not these highfalutin people. He gave us that example when he chose his 12. He didn't go to the Sanhedrin and to the Pharisees and try to choose the best and the wisest of the Pharisees and scribes to be his disciples. He went and chose fishermen and folks of that caliber, hardworking people, people that didn't make a living of of their own wisdom or their own prosperity given to them by the world. He chose simple, 
humble people to come and be his workers. Read 27 again. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world, or the simple and and basic, to confound the wise, the wise of the world. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things, base there again, talking about the simple things. Keep it simple. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. See, that's a big part of it, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Like, Lord, I have studied so much and I have acquired so much and I am so great and, and awesome and now I am here to serve. No, blew it. Come in with arrogance. You've got to come in totally emptied. Lord, fill me up with what you want me to be and to have. To humble yourself. Now come in all puffed up with your own self-impression or being impressed with yourself and praising yourself and your self-glory. No, you've got to come in humble, knowing that you come in as an empty vessel and want to be filled with what the Lord wants to fill that up. Not come in all full and say, okay, here, Lord, I am here to serve you because I have acquired all this and now I can do something because I am so great. All about the pride, the arrogance, the haughtiness, the piety. He didn't go for those folks. He went for the simple and the humble, the ones that were willing to be taught and to, and to follow. Verse 30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, not in their selves, but in the Lord. We'll write into chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So he's telling it, he himself. Even though the fellow who's writing this, Paul, was a Pharisee. He was well learned in the scriptures of the Old Testament. But yet he was humbled. He was humbled on that road to Damascus. The Lord took somebody that had a connection to the Pharisees because he was a Pharisee. But he gave him an attitude adjustment on that road to Damascus. And he was converted into somebody who humbly yielded to the will of the Lord. So that shows that there is some hope even for those out there that have acquired a lot of wisdom of the world and a lot of knowledge and information through the years of studies before they have become a Christian, that they still have a chance to be able to get an attitude adjustment and to be able to use all that stuff properly to serve the Lord when they humble themselves properly. Like I said up here in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Don't come in all haughty and, and puffed up with arrogance. You come in humble. And as a child, as he says. Because that's what Paul did. 
And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. So he admitted him, his, his weakness, his fear, his trembling. He come in, not all haughty and puffed up and pride and arrogant and saying, you all follow me and I'll make you a great church. Nope. It was in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. He come in there and try to impress them with his words. But in demonstration of the spirit of the power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's an awesome statement right there in verse 9. This can apply to the work that he has available to someone as they enter into the ministry. You've got no idea what the Lord's going to lay out for you to do. Just hang on for the ride, as I always say. As well as the things that he's going to give us in blessings and what we have to look forward to in a millennial period and for eternity beyond what we can comprehend, beyond our wildest imagination. Read 9 again. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. See, the Lord will direct you by the Holy Ghost that indwells you when you trust in the Lord. He reveals to you the things that you need to know as you need to know them, as well as opening the doors and encouraging you to go on into those areas and to do what is available for you to do. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Talking about that communion that we have with the Holy Ghost, getting that information directly from the Heavenly Father, right through the Holy Ghost to our spirit, revealing to us what we need to know and empowering us with what we need which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. A very important point there. The teaching that comes from the Holy Ghost, the understanding of the will of the Lord in your life, the understanding of His Word that is really the most valuable comes to you by way of the Holy Ghost. 
it can come to you through someone who is working for the Lord, such as a preacher or a teacher or a friend that is well-learned in the, in the Word and being directed and taught by the Holy Ghost, then sharing that with somebody else. And then somebody else, when they're in tune with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will allow them to know and understand that, hey, what you're hearing is truth. It's okay. You can accept that. Or, nope, that guy's crazy. Don't pay attention to him. Being taught by the Holy Ghost. That's a very important point there. Reads, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Those that are not indwelt with the Holy Ghost cannot receive that wisdom from the Holy Ghost. For they are foolishness, uh, for they are foolishness unto Him. Because it doesn't make any sense to the world. They don't have the foundation. They don't trust in the Lord yet. So they cannot comprehend the things that the Holy Ghost teaches us. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They cannot understand the spiritual things because they are not connected with the Holy Ghost. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Like there's nobody that could try to tell the Lord how to do things or what to do or, or, or even question why did you do that because I think you should have done it this way. Don't have the capability, capacity, or even the authority to do such a thing. But we have the mind of Christ. We are indwelt with Jesus Christ. We are indwelt with the Holy Ghost, which is the third part of the Trinity. Therefore, we are connected with the Lord continuously and constantly and being taught by Him when we listen to Him. All right, we'll run into chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you of, as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. You see, you have to relate to people and communicate to people in the level in which they can comprehend and understand. Just as you teach your children. You don't teach calculus in kindergarten. You let them grow and as they expand and learn and know, then later on they can comprehend calculus and algebra and geometry and so forth. They cannot comprehend that at first. So you slowly grow, just like you a baby is comparing it to, you don't feed a newborn baby a big old hunk of rare steak. Couldn't handle it. But you start out with milk. This was a new church, only about four months old, as I said. So they were still babes in Christ. But it's sad that there are some people that stay babies. Stay babies their whole life as a Christian. They never really grow and mature. They can only handle the milk. It's still, it doesn't mean that they're not Christians. It just means they haven't matured as much as the potential was there. They lost out on, on projects that they could have got involved in, a ministry that the Lord may have had in mind for them, but they never matured enough to get to that level. For ye are yet carnal. Now he's pointing out some of the things that he already mentioned that they were going through. Carnal means physically, meaning of the body, of the world, 
carnal that they were hung up on the things that really didn't matter. They weren't thinking spiritual. They were thinking in the world. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. See, Paul was telling them, give all the honor, all the glory to the Lord, not to him and not to Apollos, not to Peter, not to any other preacher or teacher. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the only true solid foundation that any church can be built upon, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So we can look at these. It says gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Tried by fire, we know that the wood hand of stubble would burn away. So what are he talking about here? What is he talking about? What is the, the wood hand of stubble? The wood hand of stubble is the work that you do which was just for yourself. The work that you do which is fleeting away or vain, that is temporal, that's not going to amount to anything. The work that is really matter are the ones that are going to last, that are going to carry over. They're going to Survive the test of fire. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So when you do the work that you are supposed to be doing, which when you're led by the Holy Ghost and listen to the Holy Ghost, you will be doing that work, then that counts as the, the gold, the silver, and the precious stones. But when you decide to do a work just because you want to receive the glory for it, or the acknowledgement for it, that's the wood, hay, and the stubble. It gets burned away. You don't get any reward. If any reward at all, it was just a reward and the accolades that you got from other men saying, oh, wow, that was really generous of you to do that. Or really awesome that you were so loving and caring that you did that. Is that why you did it? To be patted on the back and congratulated for doing it? If so, then that's the only reward you got. Burned up, wood, hay, and the stubble. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. That's some encouraging finish to verse 15 there. said, even if you were doing it and you weren't doing it to the level that you should have been and it was just for yourself, it's going to get burned up. You're still Christian. You're still part of the family. You're still saved. 
You just lost out on some rewards. That's why he's pointing out. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Now he's getting into some specific behavior of the individuals and how they need to behave as Christians. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. Everything that he's given us, including the body itself. What have we done with this body? Did we use it properly? Because that's what he was talking about there when we first started giving these cautions. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. You can't go around messing up the blessings that the Lord has given you, wasting them, trashing them, abusing them, and think the Lord's just going to let you slide with that. You abuse yourself, you're going to suffer for it. If you abuse anything the Lord has given you, you're going to suffer for it. You're going to suffer loss, loss of rewards, burning up the blessings, the loss of health, the loss of prosperity, the loss of relationships, the loss of your peace, the loss of your rest, Gone. You'd start burning it up, deteriorating it, withering it away. You've got to keep your mind right. You've got to keep your attitude right. You've got to keep your obedience and, and humbleness and submissive, submissiveness to the Lord right. Then you're building the gold, silver, and precious stones. So listen to the Lord. Be ready to take that strong food, that meat as He calls it there, and use it properly, and always giving all the honor, all the glory to the Lord for everything He blesses you with. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, and Heavenly Father, we thank You oh so much for the many things You give us each and every day and the blessed opportunities to be able to be a part of Your work. Help all of us come to You humbly and yield and submit to You completely and let You take over our lives and mold us as a hunk of clay into the, what You want us to be. We thank you oh so much for that as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you.